Hello, I'm Andrew Fisher, and welcome back to the Perspectives Podcast. Here we strive to gain different perspectives and understanding about the real-world topics that affect all of us today. Today, I'm joined by Bradley Katz, who comes from a background in politics, which has allowed him to gain new and fresh perspectives on the topic that we will be covering today. Brad was a congressional political aide for multiple candidates and has spent the last eight years working in public policy in New York City. Hey, Brad. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, I guess so to just dive right into it. First, tell me a little bit about yourself and the background that you come from in politics. Sure. So I, um, I've i been here in uh, New York City since 2015, working uh, now on communications and government affairs here at uh, a real estate firm, Fisher Brothers. Wow. Prior to that, I was a chief of staff to a member of Congress from upstate New York for uh, five years. Wow. And uh, before that, I was on a whole bunch of campaigns across the country. The far west, the south, uh, New York, uh, all over the all over the United States. So it's safe to say you have you have gained some experience in the political world. I have, yes. I have, I have more than many, not as much as some. <laughs> um, I guess what is your political experience involving the politics between like the north and the south? Uh, that's interesting. I've I've definitely spent more time working in the north, more campaigns, and just more more time, more mm-hmm. more years and months. Um, I'm also from the New York suburbs, so it's just kind of where I'm from in my, my home. Um, but I've also spent time in Alaska. It was my first campaign on the ground for a year and mm-hmm. change working on a Senate race out there. And I've, I've spent uh, time in Louisiana uh, on, a, on a Senate campaign and a governor's campaign and um, in, in Kentucky as well on a Senate campaign. So I've been all over the place mm-hmm. and I've seen a lot of different things and dealt with a lot of different people. Yeah, you definitely have seen the wide variety of America. Correct. Um, so jumping right in, I want to hear your thoughts on the relationship between the North and the South and how it's kind of changed over the years for the better or for the worse. Sure. Yeah. I mean, my, my time working in the South was, it's been a while now. So it, it was 2007, 2008 was when I spent most of my time down there. So the the political world has changed certainly since then, right? Mm-hmm. This was well, pre-Obama, pre-Trump, I mean, Obama was on the ballot in 2008, but pre-Obama administration, pre-Trump, pre-Biden now. So the, the political land, pre-Tea Party, if you remember the mm-hmm. Tea Party being uh, on the rise, I mean, mm-hmm. this was, the, the political landscape has changed significantly since I was down there. And uh, I would argue for, for the worse, it's gotten a lot more personal, a lot more venomous. But um, it's interesting, right? I mean, the places where I worked in the South were predominantly democratic cities in more conservative states. Mm-hmm. Um, not even purple states, but just red states. I mean, Louisiana is a red state. Very red, Kentucky's yeah. a red state. But mm-hmm. I was in Baton Rouge, which is a college town, certainly mm-hmm. more progressive than the rest of Louisiana as a whole. And I was in Louisville, which is certainly more a democratic city mm-hmm. and significantly more progressive than the rest of Kentucky. So mm-hmm. you're in a little bit of a bubble within that city, within within these locations in a larger political environment that doesn't necessarily align with those cities. Mm-hmm. Did you see a clash between kind of like the rural red areas and the progressive blue areas? Um, I don't know about clash. Clash, like, clash to me implies it's a little bit more combative than it was, mm-hmm. but there was definitely a natural push and pull. And mm-hmm. the issues that were important in the urban, more blue areas were not necessarily the same issues in the rural areas. So in I'm just going to, it's been too long, I can't come up with a specific example, but in, in Louisville, um, an issue might have to do with, um, I'm just going to say, public safety or, or crime or taxes or pick your issue du jour. 
in a rural area might be agriculture focused mm -hmm. because that is the basis of their economy. Yeah. Uh, and it's just not going to be the same because agriculture is not an issue in a big city in mm -hmm. the same way. Um, so it, it, it will vary. But there, um, you know, I, I think there's a natural skepticism that, that occurs between people that live in an urban area about a rural community and vice versa. And it's just... It's just the nature of people coming from different places and having different experiences. Like stereotypes and stigmas or yeah. just different different perspectives. It's exactly right. And, and it's a shame because I think people have more in common than than not. Um, maybe their their motivations might be might be the same, their their views of the policies might be different, but their motivations might be the same. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess to further this conversation, we but we know the South and the North have very different laws and regulations, such as abortion laws or gun laws. How do you think the major difference between these two areas passing these laws creates a bigger, you know, division between the two places? I mean, we're we're my my own opinion is we're, we have we're becoming a very divided society. We are a very divided society. It's, you've talked that. The topic you've tapped into with your podcast is kind of the existential question <laughs> facing this country at large beyond any specific <laughs> policy issue. Um, because the divide is is red-blue, north-south, mm -hmm. in many ways east-west, but also within states, right? You mm -hmm. go, we're, we're sitting here having this conversation in New York City in midtown Manhattan, and this is about as blue as you're going to yeah. get in, yeah. in New York, in, in the country. but. You go a couple hours north, and red. it's ruby red, yeah. and it's Trump country, and it still is, and you still see Trump yard signs out. So it's it's we're becoming really divided, um, not just north south. So certainly that still exists because within the construct, you know, using New York State, New York City as an example, we're still a blue state, uh, particularly in Albany, much more progressive than than the red communities we're talking about. So they they do pass more progressive laws mm -hmm. that impact everybody. But, um, I mean, it's a real issue. I mean, you're seeing a lot in, in southern states right now. You're seeing certainly a lot of flight from – they're gaining a lot of residents from northern states. I mean, every day there's another story, right? I think it was like 350,000 people in, like, 2022 had migrated right. to the south. You're seeing Nashville, the entire state of Florida – you're seeing a lot of people from like higher tax states in the Northeast moving down there. But I'm guessing it's creating a little bit of a culture shock because there mm -hmm. are things that they can and can't do down there that are different than up here. But do you think like a large migration of people from like blue areas will create will create a larger blue population in the South or it will kind of like be dormant and not have much of an impact on it? That's an excellent question. I think it will that will take time. Mm -hmm. I mean, even a lot of people, like whatever the number is, a couple hundred thousand people that you just said in moving to their region will have an impact. Um, they're not all going to vote. Mm -hmm. They're not all going to be active. They might just move down there and live their lives but not actually participate. Um, but it, it will have an impact for sure if elections remain as close as they have been in this country. Mm -hmm. So you look at the state of Georgia. I mean, obviously it flipped a couple of Senate seats over the years. President Biden won. You know, you're looking at a state that 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 was solid red for many years. That was, you know, Democrats were not supposed to win, and now they mm -hmm. they have. I'm not saying it's a blue state, but they certainly keep winning. Um, so it, it will have an impact, particular, but but people have to vote, yeah. engage. Um, I guess so. Looking at kind of recent events, not recent events, but events involving Marjorie Taylor Greene. 
when she said um when she said we need a national divorce we need to separate red states and blue states and shrink the federal government do you think this kind of relates back to you know historical circumstances we had in the early ages of america when you know the south was trying to secede from the north um it could i personally don't give her that much credit mm-hmm. i think when you have a politician that is um, is a bombastic and I'll say media savvy because she's really good at getting attention for herself. It's more about driving her own agenda. It's not necessarily part of a larger a larger movement, we'll call it. Do you think, though, that even if it's not her agenda, it rubs off onto the general public that follow her as something that needs to happen, which is creates even more division? It could happen. I think there are people that are just, that it will reinforce positions that people already have. I mean, there, there are a lot of divisive issues out there about the Confederacy. I mean, we see it every day. It, it bubbles up in the news all the time. Monuments, yeah. flags, all that stuff. And, and, and society's gone through a lot of changes there. And I think she's, honestly, I think she, in this example, she's just tapping into that. Tap, false information. And, yeah. You know, all yeah, that. precisely. So I guess this is kind of a follow-up question. So, you know, we are at a very, you're at a boiling point with tensions between the North and the South. Do you think it will ever lead to historical circumstances such as early age America, or it be a different type of um, different type of catastrophic event? Yeah, I mean, I certainly know people who are more. Um, I certainly know people who are more uh, doomsday than mm-hmm. I am. I don't. I don't think we're. Ha- I think we still have more in common than we don't. Mm-hmm. I think we have. Um, we're just in a dark time right now in our polit- politics and our society mm-hmm. in terms of being able to engage with people and have that, that perspective like your podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we need to work to get better and, and eventually get past it. I don't think this is going to spiral out of control to the point of this country breaking up. Do you find that to be like a difficult challenge when we have things such as like the media spreading so much false information to, to both sides, quite frankly, sure. of the other side? Like, how do you think you can combat something that simply that its goal is to drive people apart? So that's you, you've touched on the, you know, the nerve of, of what makes this time different than in past times. Mm-hmm. Right. Everything happens quickly now. Yeah. And, and, and there's a race whether it's legitimate media outlets on the left, the right, the middle, doesn't matter, whether it's individuals spreading rumors on social media, everything is instant. There's a race to be first, and then you can clean up the mess later if there was anything that was inaccurate. Mm. And often at that point, it's too late. Yeah. Often at that point, the ship has sailed and the, the misinformation is spread, and you know, and it's going to be impossible. I mean, just look at COVID, but it's going to be impossible to get... Uh, to get everyone or enough people back to reality of what's real and what's not because mm-hmm. they've already heard contrary information mm-hmm. to what is actually ends up being the truth. Um, that is a huge problem. That is a huge problem. I don't, I don't know how you solve it. I'm sure you get into some, some speech, speech issues with, from a legal perspective, but I, it is a fundamental problem that we have that um, we have not figured out yet as a society. Yeah, I mean, you know, creates... It's the divide between us, but I think, yeah. Um, um, sorry. So I guess also going to that, um, I want to dive into like how there's major cultural differences between the North and the South, and like how do you think each each group perceiving one another um, 
how do you think each group perceiving one another is influenced by where they are in that place? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think it, some of it could be north-south, but I think you're also looking at urban-rural, urban, you know, suburban, throw that in there. People, I think, are defined by the communities in which they live, and it's, it's more than just, um, you know, north-south geography. But I think we are becoming more and more insular as, as people, and I know I am guilty of that, too, where, you know, I have friends who, who are Republicans who view everything through the prism of Fox News and other mm-hmm. right-wing media— and I don't even know what channel Fox News is on my on my cable. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't watch, yeah. and vice versa. Like they don't know what channel CNN is. So we we are living near each other, but living in completely different worlds mm-hmm. uh, in many ways, and that's that's tough. Um, and we have to find other things to talk about beyond politics because we're just going to and and just kind of state of the world stuff. So mm-hmm. we stick to Yankees, Mets, and other things because it's just we'll disagree, so we don't even bother. Do you think that's one of the, like a main factors is that politics like it's always had like a very large impact on people but people definitely are starting to pay more attention to politics but also not just politics but like fake news and all that stuff you think that creates more people having these crazy opinions and things to say which creates more of a divide well politics is one of those things and having worked in it since i was right out of college and it's been 20 plus years directly and indirectly i will say that politics is one of those areas where everyone has an opinion mm-hmm. whether they're informed or not whether they're um whether they're trying to be genuine or whether they have an agenda or not everyone has an opinion it's not like i don't have an opinion on accounting i don't know what i'm doing in accounting i don't know how to talk about accounting i would talk to an accountant if i had an accounting <laughs> question yeah. but you're not going to find a single person on the street who doesn't have an opinion whether they share it or not is another issue but you're not going to find a single person who doesn't have a thought on the major political issues mm-hmm. of this day. I mean, at least most people, maybe not everybody, but the majority of people have an opinion one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I think that's, that's, that's part of the challenge that we have, right? Is everyone has an opinion. They're getting, they're getting sources of information from different sources. Some are accurate. Some are not on the left and the right. I can't say that yeah, you know, the media is tough all over um, mm-hmm. that there there's this constant rush to be first. And that, that often leads to, inaccurate or incomplete information coming out. I mean, how often do you see on the news? It could be local news, like breaking news. This XYZ happened, and then they come back a few minutes later and say, like, actually, that didn't quite happen, right? Yeah. We're hearing initial reports of, of, some, of you know, fatalities. Oh, turns out it wasn't fatality. Mm-hmm. It's a good, good thing, but, yeah. you know, turns out it's not quite right because there's a rush to get the information out. There's a rush to be first. Mm-hmm. Do you think that also, like, with... As you say, everyone has an opinion, and, and we going back to something we talked about. We live in the world of social media and being able to, you know, uh, say what you want when you want it. Do you think social media and things such as that allows people to voice their opinions that spread hate and causes more people to kind of like or cause fear to people and may have them incite them to kind of like join that movement? I think that's that's exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. But I think people. As the user of information, we also have a responsibility to put our thinking caps on, as the expression is, and like look at it, look at something critically and question it, and not just take it as fact. So you see something on social media from a random source, it might not be true. Don't just assume it. How do you change the culture of that, though? I mean, if I knew, I would. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's hard. I mean. It, it's too easy to say it's up to the parents, it's up to schools, you just have to be born with it. I, I don't know that there's any one thing. 
I think it's just a scenario where people, um, you know, it, it almost needs to be, I, I can't even describe it, but it's almost like it needs to be, needs to be cool to think critically again. I, I don't even know how to do it. Well, I guess going back to like culture between North and South, you know, we see in the South, um, I forget if it's, I think it's Mississippi. It's one of the lowest funded school systems, sure. I think, in America. And that definitely, when one is uneducated, it causes one to think of very, you know, crazy opinions and ideals. And we don't, at least I, I feel as we don't see that as much uh, in the North where, you know, education is valued. Do you believe that, like, you know, the the value of education going down in America is one of the main roots of people kind of not using critical thinking and not understanding what's actually going on. That could be part of it. Um, I mean, Mississippi is one of the states that is, has, I think a lot of, a lot of challenges that you've just described. Um, and there, there are challenges everywhere, but I, I think you have a scenario where, where, there, it's there's a snowball effect. I'm struggling for words. There's a snowball effect mm-hmm. where there's a one problem leads to another problem. There's maybe there's no one thing that is the root cause of mm-hmm. why. I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert on Mississippi education policy, yeah. but but there, there's no one cause of it. But mm-hmm. one leads to the next, leads to the next, and all of a sudden, the schools are terrible in this state or the city. A, and it, you know, how are you going to dig your way out of it? It's and a catalyst. Almost. It, it's exactly. It's very difficult to, to dig out of it. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's, and you can say that about hundreds, if not thousands of issues all across and, and dem states and red states, you know, urban, rural, suburban, mm-hmm. there's problems that are seemingly surmountable everywhere, but you don't have to solve all the problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the example you just gave, and I, I'm going to steal something that someone said to me once, like, and that I heard, like, you know, you don't have to solve all of Mississippi's education problems overnight. Start with one school. Uh, yeah, slowly, but... Start with the second school. Go to yeah. the third school. And then go from there. You don't have to do everything at once. Seems impossible, right? Yeah, because nothing's but, ever going to be perfect. Of course not. Know. Of course not. But you start with one. You make a difference there. You learn from it. Hopefully, mm-hmm. it then allows for more people to get excited about it. Then you go to the second one, mm-hmm. the third one, or whatever the issue is mm-hmm. of the day. Um, In your eyes, like, where do you see kind of it all going you know you see you know large amounts of wealth from the north migrating to the south and you see the south while it's becoming more uh democratic you also see radical republican views and you see in the north you know very liberal and left-wing views which also can be damaging where do you see it all kind of going and you know not ending but where do you see it in five or ten years in the future i don't know yet um I think you cannot underestimate the impact that Donald Trump has had on Mm -hmm. the political system, both left and right, but certainly the right. Um, He's also running what is presumably going to be his last campaign, Mm -hmm. right? Certainly if he runs and wins, he will, that will be the end of his campaign. But if he runs and doesn't win, presumably he won't run at least a credible campaign again in the future. Um, Then in his eighties, I guess he would be. So, um, you know, right now he is dominating, you know, you're talking about the Republican South, like right now he is dominating the Republican Party and Trump and they're struggling to figure out how to, as a party, how to navigate with him and around him because he does control such a sizable percentage of the base voter mm-hmm. who will be with him forever. Mm-hmm. Um, to his credit, I mean, he has done an amazing job with that. You can't deny that. Um, but 
we don't know what the next iteration of the Republican Party will be. We don't know how they will react when he is no longer the big dog in the race, whether mm-hmm. it's this presidential race, whether it's in the future. Where do they go from here? I don't know, but it's it's their problem. I'm a Democrat, so this is their problem to solve. But mm-hmm. we'll see how they solve it and what they then advocate for. I mean, the Republican Party of George Bush, Dick Cheney, you know, is very different very from different. the Republican Party today. I mean, back then, go back 15, 20 years, whatever it was, like, you know, George Bush was talking about Social Security privatization, and we were talking about being... Um, aggressive internationally with Iraq and Afghanistan. And mm. now you've got Donald Trump saying, don't touch Social Security. You know, Ron DeSantis talked about, or Medicare, excuse me. Um, and they're talking about, you know, questioning whether they should be, we should be engaged in Ukraine mm. in any way, shape, or form. So they went from being, you know, and they're focused more on social issues. And now it's all these issues that didn't exist a few years ago. So it's a little similar to like how like, you know, Lincoln used to be, um, Lincoln used to be a Republican or how like the Democratic Party was very different from the sure. you know, Republican Party 60, 70 years ago. Yeah, I mean, the labels, if you go back over, you know, the, the lifetime of this country when Democrats and Republicans, you know, became the two dominant parties, like the parties have shifted. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you know, there's there's civil rights, there's the civil war. I mean, they, there's been fundamental shifts in what states and and what issues are predominantly aligned with with the respective parties, um, there could be an alignment, a realignment again in the future. Not anytime soon, certainly, but I don't mm-hmm. know what happens in 50, 60, 70 years. It's a lifetime away. Who knows what, what will happen? Do you believe this is one of those vital moments that like is causing a shift? I think we're at a time when, if you if fast forward 50 years and look back, I think historians and, and modern Americans at that time are going to say, wow, that was a pretty, pretty wacky time. Pretty wacky time. Not... not 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 normal, not mm-hmm. mainstream. But we, you know, we are, we we've gotten through as a country these types of issues before. Certainly not this exact one. It's always different. But we've gotten through challenges before, mm-hmm. and we can do it again, right? You just it's just the path is not so obvious. It seems to be one of those times where you think nothing is going to work until something something. I mean, works. that's always the way. It that's is. always there, yeah. there's, there's never a deal until, until there, there is a deal. Until there is one. So I guess like. You know, kind of to wrap up the podcast, I usually do like a magic wand question. Like if you had all the resources, all the money, all the power, how would you influence this to like, how, how do you see it? How would you want it? To, what would you want the outcome to be? And what would you do for that outcome to happen? Yeah, if I could be king. Um, yeah, if you could. So any, I'm going to lean into the magic side, right? So it's less about power and, and money. It's going to be more about if I could just magically um, change behavior, mm-hmm. I would... I would wish for people to take differences less personally. Mm-hmm. I, I feels like people take this. You might be pro gun. I might be anti gun, just making up examples. And um, it becomes like this, like personal affront to it's me. It's like a part and, of your personality. Yeah. Almost. And it, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't yeah. be like, and that, that once, if you start a conversation as an individual or as a society with, with that visceral personal, like disagreement, you're never going to get to a, a compromise. You're mm-hmm. never going to get to a rational conclusion. And if I could magic the magic wand, I would somehow get that out of our everyone's brains, and we could we mm-hmm. could then have conversations. Because without dialogue, we're just going to continue to you know revert to our, our corners, 
mm-hmm. only talk to each other, you know, ourselves, our own like-minded people, and we'll never, we'll never get anywhere. Without new perspectives, we will never learn, you know. I love it. There you go. All right. Well, thank you, Brad, for joining the show today. I'm glad we had this very info, uh, informational talk. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. <laughs>